militarily way of saying get a pen or pencil. You know, that's a schoolhouse thing. But get a writing utensil and uh, a writing document. I don't know. Some, just write something to write on and not your walls. Get pen and paper. My wife says get pen and paper. Parchment in a quill. Now, if you lived in my house, you would have no problem with that because my daughter has parchment, quill, and signets in waxes. And so she has her own seals. And uh, yes, we do have to feed them very regularly and they make a lot of noise, but they can balance on a beach ball pretty cool. So, aha, uh-huh, no one else was following me there. <laughs> Mike, wait, he's confused looking around. <laughs> Exactly. But so hopefully you could take part in this practical exercise as well. But before we actually get in uh, that aspect, I do want to open it up for a few of us went to the men's retreat. And I want to just ask like Matt, Will, uh, was there a verse or a passage or a topic that, you know, God really spoke to you about there? And is there anything you'd like to share before we actually get into what we're talking about tonight? I know I have one that God really spoke to me about, but I wanted to offer a time for you guys if you'd like to. Uh, and any I thoughts? Probably stuck with me for the most was balance. Balance? Yeah, the balance of life. In other words, uh, examining things that I'm not, you know, things that are time time wasters. And okay. Us guys with our toys and <laughs> games and hobbies and everything. Yeah. That take away from our time with family and uh, from being able to read God's word, or either that, or just sometimes we just have we do things. I know I'm really bad about taking on a whole bunch of stuff that sounds like fun when I'm agreeing to do it. <laughs> I get in it and I'm exhausted, and I, you know, then I'm uh, over, uh, basically overload my schedule yeah. with fun things, and uh, then you know, then I just find myself kind of dropping. Yeah. Uh, some of the most important things. No. Yeah, just Aspect. Learning to you know, be more disciplined. Discipline and balance. Yeah. Amen. Will, is there anything that you'd want to share? I know you guys had no idea, so I am totally putting you on the spot. And if you don't want to, that's fine. So I know, like, huh? Dead air. Dead air? <laughs> no. no, actually, no, it's, it's interesting. One thing that kind of taught me by uh, that, that I find interesting while. Uh, we had a chance to interact with a, with a gentleman also named Danny. Oh, yeah, good so, guy. Cable. Good, strong name. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the interesting thing is, like, uh, he had a pretty deep, probably, background in regards to, 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 to his habits and previous life. And, uh, yes. And he was struggling. He's still struggling hard as yeah. to make that decision of faith. But one thing uh, that came to mind, even before meeting him, was... Uh, Romans 12, 2, of, 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 of uh, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, mm. be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And uh, the, the interesting thing is, like, uh, that came before I met him, mm. and later on, that whole passage was one yeah. of the key passages that was, that was being covered during the retreat. Mm-hmm. So, like, w- like, one thing that I found interesting is that uh, I'm military. I like to have a goal and a vision and a purpose for, for things that yeah. I do. So I found myself in the position of... Uh, it was good to be at a retreat, but I kind of would have liked for it to have the focus initially <laughs> in front. 
but I did determine that the focus was Romans 12, so that's kind of what's the focus that I ended up uh, also starting <laughs> Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I love that verse, you know, not being conformed, but rather be transformed. I know Pastor Ken had preached a message a while back uh, talking about this very passage, very eye-opening as far as uh, the difference between conforming which is being shaped and molded from the outside and transforming, which is a work from the inside out. And it is very fascinating. So I have to figure out what the title of that sermon series, I think it was a series was, and, uh, but that was really good. Oh, one uh, verse that really spoke to me out there is 1 Corinthians 15. And I've read this over and over and over. Now, this isn't the text for tonight, but we'll actually be in 1 Timothy chapter 1 tonight. But I've read this over and over. And uh, chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians is really, uh, a lot of people say this is the gospel. This talks about the death, burial, resurrection, and the witness of Jesus Christ after his resurrection. And so it's amazing to see uh, what many people believe this is like, one of the first Christian creeds or the first Christian creed in all the church. But there's a little nugget that's stuck in verse number 10 because when Paul is writing, he says, who is seen by Cephas or Peter, then of the 12 apostles, then of the 500 brethren at once, then he was seen to James. Then he says in verse 8, last of all, he was seen to me also as born out of due time. And then in verse 10, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And that phrase right there really struck me because, you know, when I think, when I hear I am what I am or something, I ever think of Popeye, you know, but, and I've read that over and over, but this verse stuck out to me very hard because it's very easy to fall into the trap of independence of pride, of arrogance, of self. And here is Paul, one of the greatest apostles for Jesus Christ. And he had all the accolades that a Jewish person could have, though he knew not Christ at the time. And he says, for all this time, he's been in the ministry, and his, his whole life, he says, I am who I am only because of the grace of Jesus Christ. And the fact that we might look at Paul as one of the great heroes of the faith, but he's only a great hero of the faith because of what he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Without Jesus Christ, he was nothing. And it really makes me remember that without Jesus Christ, I am nothing. And so that's just something that really just God spoke to me. And I, really, I kept trying to find times to just get alone and meditate on that. And then never really found a great time to do that. And so I've just really been swallowing that uh, lately. And so that's one that I love. I encourage you to check it out, pray about it, and just really study that out and really think on, on your life. Be like, we aren't great because of us. We are great because of him. And really, that's what I want to launch into for this evening in a very practical uh, session tonight. It's in 1 Timothy chapter number 1. 1 Timothy chapter number 1. And I want to grab my notes. I only have a few notes. But before we actually get into this passage, I want you to take the note card. And on the front side of the note card with all the lines, 
I would like for you with your writing utensil, I would like for you to write down, you know those moments as a Christian, you just feel led to do something. You feel led to serve or you feel like God is asking you to say something or maybe God is asking you to give a little money somewhere. You just know inside you've been asked of God to do something. On the front side of that note card, and unless you want to share, we're not going to share, okay? But if you'd like to share, that's fine. Uh, so if you're apprehensive writing it down, you know, I just want to put that out there. But I would like for you to write down, we'll spend maybe two minutes, events, situations that God has led you to do something. How has God used you? And you know it's because God was wanting you to do something. Does that make sense? So for this first part, before we get into scripture, if we could just write down what has God done through you that you believe God had asked you to do. And I imagine that's the case for some of us. And uh, so the, the intent is just to get some thoughts down because we're going to need an even longer one for the next one. But again, the intent is to get some thoughts down. And then we're going to wrap it up neatly with this post-it note. And so, write down whatever you would like to write down. The purpose is for you to do some self-reflection on this and just make a note on what has God asked you to do. And you've done it. Okay, how has God used you? It could be one, it could be 50, it could be three. It can't be six because that's the number of men. No, just kidding. So... And so we'll just give it, like I said, two minutes, so. Just give it one more minute. So as you're finishing up, if you are, we're going to read a couple verses real quick out of 1 Timothy chapter number 1, verses 11 and 12. Here, the Apostle Paul writes, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. In verse 12, and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry. So here what Paul is doing is he's telling Timothy that 
God trusted him. God had asked him to do certain things. We remember when on Acts chapter 9 on the Damascus Road, Paul had letters to imprison Christians because that's what he did at the time. And he had an encounter with Jesus Christ that was so transformative that when he went to see Ananias to get his sight back and to remove the scales back, God told Ananias something. He told Ananias, who was fearful of Paul because Paul had this reputation of persecuting the church, and he said, no, Paul's going to bear my name among the Gentiles. I have a purpose for Paul. And here in this first part of the first letter to Timothy, Paul's reminding Timothy that God not only gave him a purpose in his Christian life, but that God had committed to him the most important message mankind's ever received. That God had committed to Paul the gospel, to deliver the gospel, to articulate the gospel. And not only that, he didn't commit it to him or give it to him, he, en he entrusted that to him. And that he had been put into the ministry. And so this first part, when we're looking at this practically, I want us to think of our life and what you've wrote down and what I've wrote down as well on my cards is the fact that there are things as a Christian God is asking you to do. He is not asking me to do. He is burdening you. And if we don't know what that feels like, uh, I would tell you in my personal instance, the best way I can explain it is just this inner impulse to do something godly or edifying. That's the best way I can explain it. I can't, this not tangible. I can't say it feels like a burning on my left aortic valve or whatever it is. <laughs> what? <laughs> whatever. And so there, you just know, this isn't conscious, this is the spirit asking you to do something. The Holy Spirit still works the same way he worked with Paul in that day. Paul had that, and you and I will have that at times as well. And so I would love for us to really think about out of what you wrote down. And throughout the course of the week, God, what are you asking me to do? What are some areas in my life you want me to uh, commit to you? And who do you want me to encourage? Is there anywhere you want me to volunteer? Is there any, anything you want me to do? Just talk to Jesus about it. Because he wants you and I to do things for him and for his kingdom. And so like I said, tonight's going to be very practical. This is not going to be like the James series where we get very deep in the weeds. This is going to be more devotional type. So this first part, what has God led you to do? What have you felt led to do? Now on the back side of your note card, I would like for you, and if you want to cover it up, that's perfectly fine. But let me ask this first. How many people got saved as a child? Raise a hand. Okay. What, what age would you I don't know. 13, under 18. <laughs> I'm going to say 10 or so. Yeah. All right. So, and the reason why I ask that is because as a child, while you knew what was right and wrong, you really didn't know what it meant to live your faith. Okay. So, how many people got, you know, got saved as an adult? Okay, you know, I, I was like 27, 20 years old. All right, the reason why I ask this question is because how you answer this is going to dictate on your experience. 
on the back side, I would like for you to write down, if you got saved later in life, all the sinful practices and things you did. Now, again, the object is not to go five pages long. No, no, no. So the, not to go five. But just capture in a few things. What are some bad characters, some bad traits? I had a lot myself, right? I was an alcoholic. I was selfish. I was a very immoral guy. I was a gambler. I was a heavy gambler. I had a horrible mouth. I was a poor father. I was a poor hut. I mean, there was a lot. I could go on and on and on. Now, huh? <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> and for those that got saved as a kid where, you know, uh, I would like for you to look at, okay, you got saved as a kid, but if there was a period in your life where you sort of rebelled, you sort of went prodigal, and you went into the world and lived the worldly systems, what were some of the things you fell into trap of? What were some of the, the bad things that you did? Okay. Now, again, if you want to cover it up, that's fine. But there is purpose for this. Okay, And until we get this down, we're not truly going to see the purpose of what I'm trying to get across tonight. So we'll take two minutes to write down any of the characteristics, traits, things like that. You could be specific. You could be vague. It's up to you. Like I said, I'm not asking anybody to read this out loud. And if you're watching live stream or after the fact, I encourage you to do it too. I said, here's my proof. I did mine too. And this is where sometimes, at least in my case, it's hard to swallow the pride and to be honest with myself and say, I was this, I was that. And it's hard. And it's, I, I pray it's going to be powerful, though. So we'll give it just another minute. And if you're like, you know what, I, I can't think of anything to write down, just write down the word pride. <laughs> I mean, we'll be honest. If we're like, I got nothing to write down. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You don't have pride, just write liar. Liar. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Freddie. All right. You can come sit over here. You got a chair, right? We're about nearing the end of what we're doing, so and I don't think it would make much sense for you to jump in in the middle of it, but, uh, yeah. I don't think it's anywhere that easy. <laughs> so, all right. So, so you got your list of things that, like, when you want to give a salvation testimony... 
There's three main facets of apologetics that I classify it. You have evidential apologetics, which evidential is you try to give evidence for the reason of God's existence. You have presuppositional, meaning you stand on the Bible and what the Bible has to say, and thus saith the Lord, and that's that. And you get into worldviews and which worldview is most tenable. And then you have what's known as experiential apologetics. And experiential apologetics deals with your experience, your testimony. Now, a lot of people will say, I don't know the gospel. I don't know how to give the gospel. The best way to give the gospel is by telling people your testimony. This is who I was before Christ. Since I placed faith in Christ, he's changed me, and this is now who I am. So when we look at a list of these negative traits, we can look at that list. We can say, that's who I was before, right? And I want to read verse number 13. So Paul just said, the gospel, the most important message in the history of mankind was committed to Paul. To Paul. It was entrusted to him. In verse 12, God had counted him faithful to put him in the ministry. Verse 13, who was before a blasphemer, a persecutor, an injurious. Paul says God had trusted him with the most important message mankind will ever receive. And before his life before Christ, he was a blasphemer. In other words, all he did was speak against God. He may, have, he may have been one of those near and dear to the unpardonable sin, okay? He may have been one of those that had physically murdered Christians. We know he was standing there at the, when Stephen was martyred because he held the coats of the, of the Jewish people doing that. So he constantly spoke against God and God's people. Not only that, he was a blasphemer, he was a persecutor, he was going on Damascus Road to arrest people, to have them excommunicated, have them killed as well. And he was injurious. He was doing injury and causing pain to the church, and in essence, to Jesus Christ. When you look at your list of all the negative things that you just wrote down, Turn it over to that front side. Despite all those negative things you have done, God is still using you. Now, to me, that's powerful. Your life before Christ is paid for on the cross. Okay? Now, when we do go ahead and go astray, 1 John 1, 9 says he is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we have that practical forgiveness going on. But I want you to realize that you are not your past. No matter how much dirt you and I have, the grace of God is sufficient to forgive and to use us for the most important message in the history of mankind. And to me, that's powerful. There's going to be times Satan's going to want you to look at the backside of that note card and say, this is who you are. But you have got to turn that note card on the other side and says, this is how God is using me. 
God is entrusting me to be a word of encouragement to somebody. He's using me, leading me to, to volunteer, to serve, to further his agenda and his cause. So while the world sees me in my sin-fallen nature, God sees purpose and love and grace in my life. And that there's nothing we can do that'll separate us from his love and his desire to use us. And that's what Paul's saying here. He said the gospel was entrusted to him. Of all people, he should never have been carrying the gospel torch. But Jesus Christ's death was sufficient. And Jesus Christ saw a man who turned his faith to Christ and someone that wanted to serve Christ. Jesus didn't look at him as his past. He looked at him in his present and his future. So part of this first step of this note card is I wanted you to see you're not defined to God by your old self. That God uses you in spite of how we go astray in spite of how we are faithless at times, in spite of how we are unfaithful, in spite of how we put one foot in the world, God still wants to use you. This third part, we're actually going to read and then we're going to write. In verses 14 through 17, Paul writes, the grace, the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant. With what? With faith and love. Where? Which is in Christ Jesus. And he says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him unto a life everlasting. Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So what Paul's saying here is, I was this horrible, wicked, vile person before Christ. But once I got saved, and I wanted to become a committed disciple, follower of Christ, he entrusted me with the most important message. And the reason for that wasn't just so I could do these things, but he says here in verse 16, so that through him, people would look at Paul and say, whoa, that's a man God changed. God had patience for Paul. God didn't see the blaspheming, the persecution to the church and cast. No, God desired Paul. He waited to grow Paul. He lifted Paul up when he needed to be lifted up. And for what? So that people would see Paul and not see Paul but to see God's patience and long-suffering. And so when you and I are going through the muck, the whole purpose that Paul's trying to get at here is when we remember, this is who I was. This is who I am now. This is how God has used me. And this is the purpose for all that. 
Because in your life and my life, when we do these good things, like Jesus said in the Beatitudes, let your light so shine so that they may see your good works and glorify our Father in heaven. The purpose is not to point to us, but to point to the grace of Jesus Christ. And that's what he says here in verse 14. Jesus' grace was what? Exceedingly abundant. This wasn't just a little sprinkle of grace. You know, I, I, I bake sometimes, cook sometimes, and I, I got an issue with seasoning, right? I'm not a very good seasoner. Apparently, I hold the pepper too close to the chicken or whatever sometimes. And so I don't know if you ever tried seasoning chicken uh, with pepper, but I've learned if you hold it real close, that's going to be, you're going to have a whole lot of pepper in like one concentrated area. And too much pepper is, oh, is nasty. So I've learned, you know, you sprinkle it up here and you can, you know, spread it out. Now, Jesus isn't pepper. I'm not trying to say that. You know, Jesus is salt, you know, but. He can be spicy. Yes, he can. But all I'm trying to get at is when I make that chicken and it's over-seasoned, you can tell that it's over-seasoned. This grace that Jesus gives, Paul says, isn't just a little sprinkle or dash. This is an abundance of grace. And when it's coming from Jesus Christ, it doesn't taste nasty or foul. It tastes beautiful and sweet. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And so when we're looking at that and considering that, 1 Corinthians 15.10, by the grace of God, I am what I am, you know? And so the only thing I wanted to get across tonight that really God spoke to me was you're not defined by your past, that you realize God has been using you before you made the list of all the sins and the negative traits, that God was using, you admitted God used you. And then you wrote down all your dirty little stuff, just like I did, right? And God used you in spite of all that. Because that's how long-suffering and patient and gracious and merciful and forgiving and loving that Jesus Christ is. And so in verse 17, Paul says, Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Now with this one, I would like for us to take our sticky note. And just between you and Jesus, I want you to write a thank you note. It could be one sentence, two sentences. Just on this sticky note, like I, I, I just, I was like, I started out, thank you, Jesus, for, and I just finished a sentence or two.
Okay. So as we close, I just open it up for discussion. Then I want to circle back here on a, if anybody has anything that maybe the Lord has been working on your life or, or revealing to you, just opportunity just to talk, you know, maybe a passage, maybe you've been studying your devotion time, anything anybody would like to share. And if not, that's fine. Okay. just something that we always knew we have to do, it's just never really found the time, and then, you know, just things open up. Right. So, just, this is something we do daily. Awesome. And, um, and I just feel grateful for God, because, you know, I feel like my girls are having uh, a Christian life that I didn't, even though I grew up in somewhat of a Christian home. Okay. Awesome. Definitely. Amen. Anybody else? No? Okay. Well, what I was uh, hoping to get out of uh, this tonight was to realize not only does God, and you may have been thinking of stuff uh, and may not have wanted to talk, and that's perfectly fine, but uh, 
realizing our past, God is using you. And he's still working through us. And like you were saying, Sharon, Oscar, you know, answering the prayers and guiding you as far as leading your, your daughters and leading your wife and helping you during those devotion times. And again, it all goes back to the grace of God. Because I don't know about you, but I can't go a week, many times, let alone a day, you know, with out doing some sort of sin or or thought or action or whatever the case is. And yet it's the grace of God that still not only works through us, but answers our prayers, like you said. And it just seems like, you know, for for a little bit there, just God has really hit me with his grace. So I really wanted us to just focus tonight that as Christians, we are God's representatives here. And what Paul wants us to do is to know our past and how God is using us in the present to commit people to the f- in the future and to use what he's doing through you now. And what really jumps out to me in this passage is in verse 14. This grace was with faith and love. And it's because Jesus Christ loves every single one of us here. That's the only reason why he gives the grace, because God is love. And so, just throughout this week, I would encourage us all to just spend some time talking to God, thanking God, reflecting on who we were, how we are now, and what God's doing, the purpose in all of it, so that we can be uh, a pattern to people on what God can do through an individual and then to reveal and reflect God's grace to those around us. Because if God treated us the way we treat people many times, <laughs> you and I wouldn't get anything. Because I sometimes I look at people and I'm like, I, I got this important task to take care of. I don't trust you. You've been unfaithful. But God says, no, I know what you can become. So he gives you a little bit, then he gives you a little more, then he gives you more. So just spend time this week thinking about the grace of God. It's influencing your life and who this week you can show and reflect God's grace to others to edify them, to build them up, to encourage them. Not for you, but so that they can see the long-suffering and patience of God through love. Amen? Amen. So uh, that's the little bit of devotion I just really wanted to talk about tonight. Anybody... Have any thoughts, comments, anything you'd like to share before we close with prayer? And yeah, here's mine that I did. And I signed it with my name, but as if he didn't know my name. But I'd encourage you, keep the note card, keep the post-it note. What I'm going to do is I'm going to keep the, the sticky note inside of my Bible and the inside flap as a way of reminder uh, for what God has done through me, despite me, or in spite of me. And I just hope that's an encouragement during times of seasons when uh, maybe our faith, uh, our shield of faith is a little weakened and Satan is hitting us with the arrows. That way it's it's an encouragement to us all. All right. So if nobody has anything, we'll uh, pray. and, And Lord willing, we'll see everybody on Wednesday. So God, again, thank you for this evening. And I just thank you for your grace. And like Paul says,
I am what I am, not because of anything of me, but merely and purely and only because of your grace. So I thank you for that. Lord, I just pray you forgive me at times when, you know, I, I whether seek to take glory or be independent or fail to remember. But I thank you that as I looked at my list of negative traits to realize the fact that you don't see me in my past as a child of God, but you see me in my present state of Jesus' righteousness, and you still use me in spite of me. So I thank you for your love, grace, and mercy. And I pray you just work on our hearts this week and allow us to see who we could use, be used to edify and encourage uh, this week. In Jesus' name, amen.